The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Hi, welcome to a special edition of Saints Happy Hour podcast. Uh, a friend of mine, he's uh, he's from Canal Street Chronicles. Uh, he's John Sigler. He does all the scouting, awesome stuff on Canal Street Chronicles. He went to the Senior Bowl this week, so I figured we had to get somebody that went to the Senior Bowl, and I didn't want one of the national talking head guys because because they don't really know the Saints roster. John knows the Saints roster. He's a fan, so when I ask him Saints-related questions and all that, he's not going to give me the general uh, bullshit. I looked at a roster five minutes ago. He's going to be like, yeah, no, no, Ralph, you don't know what you're talking about. Come on, you know better than that. So, John, thanks for joining us, uh, guy. I've, I consider you like a tw- – you're, like tw- like, you know, you're like a Twitter pal, right? We're, we're friends, you know? Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> He's like, yeah, what? He's like, he's like, yeah, whatever. I can't believe I'm doing this on a Saturday. Uh, so, John, <laughs> you you go to Mobile, right? And and the thing is, I feel like, and just feel free to shoot down this theory, but but a lot of people, you know, the Saints look 2017 draft. It was maybe the best. I mean, not only was it the best Saints draft ever. I think you can argue maybe it's the best NFL draft in the last 30 years. I mean, they just they hit it out of the park. Every pick was a home run practically. Um, and, you know, people are like saying, now, well, look, they're, now they're closer to the Super Bowl. They can take some more risks. They can be more aggressive and maybe take some character issues or maybe even be more aggressive for trading up. But the more I think about it, John, I think they're not going to go that way. And that Sean Payton, if you listen to interviews, he said, look, the last couple of years, we really refocused on football smarts, character, and we looked at injury history. And... I don't think they're going to go away from it. If anything, I think they're going to be like, that's what's worked the last two or three years. We're doing that, and we're doubling down on that, and we're going to take less risky guys. Is that is that a fair theory to have? Yeah, I think so. And we've seen a lot of that change. Uh, the, the more that Jeff Ireland has kind of ingratiated himself into the organization, gotten himself more involved, uh, kind of spoken up a little bit more in, in meeting rooms and things like that. He, he's done a lot to change their team philosophy. Uh, I feel like he learned a lot from the, the many mistakes he made <laughs> running the <laughs> Dolphins into the ground. And so he's really turned into a great asset for the Saints. Um, guys I talked to in Mobile who had covered him when he was in Miami were, were just stunned at the turnaround he's seen. And they, they seem like they're but the, the national perception is is very very positive for Jeff Ireland and his influence and the the, the uh, 
things he's introduced into the Saints team building philosophy. Now, some of that do, does come from the Saints themselves. I mean, Sean Payton's talked about how they want to get back to more of their 2006 model when he first came in. They're looking for kind of sure things. We're real football guys, kind of not, not your, you know, guys going out clubbing all, all the time, which to be fair, Kamara and Lattimore have gotten their run out of the, the nightclub scene in New Orleans from what I hear, <laughs> but they're definitely putting an emphasis on football first. And that, that's what we're seeing. I think you're on the money. The problem, I don't foresee them getting off that route. I mean, the, the only kind of crazy YOLO scenario that comes to mind would be something like Baker Mayfield being available at the Oakland Raiders pick and Peyton and John Gruden work out some kind of a crazy trade. Beyond that, I just don't see them doing anything to blow things up and kind of keep it rolling here for, for the well, next few years. Well, here's the thing. We'll get right to it because that, that was the talk and that's sort of been the thing is Baker Mayfield, Saints fans love him because he's – He's short, so he's like short like Drew Brees, but he's more. He, I would say he's more athletic. Although Drew Brees is more athletic than people give him credit for, obviously. And so Baker Mayfield's been the guy. But here's a, here's a, my question with him: is is his off the field stuff? Let's start there. It, do you think it's sort of overblown? I feel like his his off the field stuff. It, they want to shuffle him into Johnny Manziel, but I don't think he's that at all. I mean, he's, he's done some dumb stuff, but nothing like crazy dumb. Yeah, he's not going out drinking on Friday nights for games on Saturdays like Johnny was known to do. <laughs> he, he's not out there I mean, fighting his coaches on the sideline. He's not doing all kinds of crazy stuff. Now, other people do know more about Baker than I do. Uh, keep an eye out on Robert Klimko for SI.com. He's working on a great long-form series the next few months where he's evaluating Baker the way NFL teams do. They've got part one up already, which goes mm-hmm. into his uh, process at the Senior Bowl with interviews and whatnot, and they've got a lot of great content coming out. So keep an eye out on that. That's going to give you a lot of insight. But Baker, I'm, I'm not worried about his about his character, about him as a person. I mean, just, just from speaking with his teammates uh, in interviews at Media Day, um, seeing the way people talk about him, I mean, people who know him better than I do, who have been around him longer, I—he's—he, he, I would say he's on that spectrum of your your Brett Favre, your Johnny Manziel guys who like to live a little. Um, <laughs> hey man, we all like. But to he's live definitely a as much I'm of a football. Right yeah, but he—he, <laughs> he, yeah, but I mean, he's—he's he's just as much of a football nerd as Breeze and. The Mannings and all those guys. The one thing I—that's that, not an issue in my mind. Yeah, the one thing I did love about Baker Mayfield, one quote, quote, quote that just I loved it is—is is he was saying, "Look, I'm short and I can't see over dudes, but nobody can see over a six-eight left tackle." And let me tell you something: if you see a dude, if you don't see a dude till he's open, you're late. You have to anticipate, and that's what it is, man. Quarterbacking. I forgot who wrote it. They said it's like time traveling. You got to predict the future. Right on the throws, you can't. You can't. If the dude's open, you're late. Right. So here's my question with with I guess with 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 Mayfield that that fascinates me. And since you're there, I get the sense that man, when he gets in those interviews, like coaches are going to fall in love with him. Just the, the like his personality. Like some fans like hate the bravado, but I feel like a lot of coaches will love that. So like that'll move him up the board. What was your sense of like talking to people that like the vibe around Baker Mayfield that teams were like, ah, I didn't really like him, or, man, more and more teams are falling in love with him. 
that's really it. I mean, he, he's so charismatic. And we talk about these guys who are like a magnet, a magnetic yeah. personality. And that's what Baker is. I mean, people talk to him and they fall in love with the dude. And it's really easy to see why. He, he's the guy you want on your side who's taking charge of your locker room, who's calling plays, who's really at the wheel of an offense. And that, that's what we saw happen in Oklahoma, where he's out there running things and he knows everybody's responsibility on every play. He's not he's not playing with the he's not riding with the training wheels by by any means. And I mean coaches are a fan of him. Sean Payton's a believer according to all reports that have come out so far. But so are people like John Dorsey and John Elway who who know a thing or two about uh, quarterbacks in the NFL? Does John Elway so, really know? About I don't a, know that. Does John Elway really know about quarterbacks? I mean, his, he can play quarterback, awesome, but his track he's record conv- of picking he's con- ones. He's con- well, John Elway is convinced that he knows a thing or two about quarterbacks. But <laughs> I'm just saying. Max <laughs> Mitch is kind of terrible. He I was going to pay off. Say the evidence I'm, just is I'm just saying. Oh yeah. Um. Yeah. So so other players, John, like um. We're, we're, we're looking at tight end is another need where we look at the Saints and we're like, eh, Josh Hill might be the only one back. You know, they might move. They might. Kobe Fleener might retire because he's had concuss- concussion issues. Uh, who man, you know, he, he may not be back. His contract isn't that much. So, so they may be in the they may be in the market for a, a, a free agent tight end and a draft one. So what did you see at tight end that you liked? And what did you see about guys that you're like? That you kind of like were circling and like, oh, that's a Saints guy. He's even though, or, and, and on the flip side, like guys that maybe in the, the consensus is that people like them a lot, but you're like, eh, I don't think he'll fit with the Saints. Yeah, right off the man, it sucked. Right off the bat, two of the guys I was looking at: Dallas Goder from South Dakota State and Adam Brenneman from UMass. They both dropped out of practice an hour into it on Tuesday. They, they both pulled their hamstrings uh, they're getting wrapped they're getting ice bags duct tape around their legs and they're done for the weekend an hour into, into practice in mobile um so that, that in a way that limited my search but then again those were two guys i was really held in on going into this event um but as far as the dudes who were actually there uh mike just <clears throat> mike uh, from penn state really took a lot of the headlines and, and deservedly i mean i don't know that anybody plays the ball in the air better than he does as far as having the body control to go up and catch passes thrown behind him or make himself get open, things like that. He, he's just really great in the air. Uh, you know, he kind of reminds me of Evan Ingram from last year's draft. I don't know that he's going to be the athlete that Evan Ingram was, but he shows a lot of the same Is he going to be a first Neither round? one of those guys are known to be. Is he going to be a first rounder, you think? It, it really depends on how he runs. I mean, that the, the NFL puts so much emphasis on the 40-yard dash that – I mean, if he's a slow guy, if he runs in like the low four sixes, if, if he's a four seven, no, he'll probably go in the second round. Now, if he goes out there, runs a four or five five or better, then you're going to see guys lining up to get ahead of the curve. Something I'm going to I'm going to plant my my flag on this hill now. I really feel like the Saints are going to end up being in a position to get a tight end in the first round, similar to how they got uh, Stephon Anthony at linebacker a couple of years ago, where their explanation for that was, well, we feel that like there's about to be a big run on these guys in the second round at this position. We want to get ahead of the curve, get our get our top guy, whoever it may be. That's whether interesting. That's Jizicki, that's whether it's Goder, whether it's somebody else. So you're I saying, I really feel like that's the direction this thing's so, going to turn out. 
that's good and bad because the 2015 draft, they had a lot of good linebackers. The Saints picked the wrong one. <laughs> so so it, it's good. Exactly. I like they, that. Man, if they would have got Eric Kendricks like we were all telling, telling them to. Telling them to do, right? Just listen <laughs> listen to Saints Twitter. Yeah. yeah. Um, exactly. Re- re- read the tweets. Come on, y'all. Yeah, exactly. We don't, we don't, we don't, the, 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 the bad tweets of people we like, we just, we, we, we just uh, delete them and pretend like they never happened. But the one, the people we knew, we just oh, grab exactly. on. You know, I didn't, I, I'll be honest, I didn't hate the Stanley John Baptiste pick. I didn't hate it. I wasn't like a huge fan of it. I was like, yeah, maybe. Oh, me neither. Yeah. You know, he's got size. He can run that Rob you're, Ryan's you're, you're not a real Saints. You're not a real Saints blogger if you don't have a 3,000-word SJB piece somewhere on the internet. Exactly. Like, if it's not still up, you're not real. You're not, I, you're not legit. <laughs> I, wrote a piece, I wrote a piece during Meet, uh, Robert Meacham's first year uh, that said he was the worst Saints draft pick of all time because he was not he was not he was a first round pick and it was 10 games into the year and he had not been active one week so um so that one turned yeah, out he, he didn't he didn't take his hoodie off until like <laughs> <laughs> yeah so i mean that's the thing with the yeah. draft you never know but but another position that i'm curious about and this was a article and i forgot i forget who wrote it but it was a great piece about wide receivers and it, and it was a piece of you know we all think of wide receivers you can't think of them as all the same. Like teams, right? You have you have usually teams go five deep at wide receiver, and you need the slot guy, you need the outside guy, and you need it's like a basketball team where where each guy fills a different position, and that's the thing with the Saints. Like they don't need like well, obviously you'd love if you could draft another Michael Thomas, you plug him in, it would be great. But the Saints don't really need a Michael Thomas per se, if they could just find a guy that could be a slot and turn into what Willie Sneed was last year, they'd be great. Right. So who's a guy at, at the wide receiver position that you were looking at and you were like, Oh, that guy, he's a potential saints guy. He's a potential saints guy. Yeah. Okay. Uh, just real quick before I get into that, there's one guy I know the saints were interested in. That's Durham Smythe that tight end. Okay. Uh, before we move into the receivers, I want to touch on him r- real quick. He's, he's out of Notre Dame. Um, he's surprised he's a former basketball player, so we can, we can, uh, oh, we, we can, can, we can bring that, back, that we can bring back in, the in the Jimmy Grant, all our Jimmy Grant jokes. I like that. We qu- we can now, now Smythe wasn't used as a receiver a whole lot because Notre Dame's offense has been kind of LSU-esque the last few years. It's been, it's been pretty rough, but I mean, he showed everything you want to see. He, he got himself open. He was separating downfield, making plays down the seam. He's got good size. He, that's just a, that's a name to file away. Durham Smythe. Now on, to, it, on to, to the receivers. The best. The be, sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, is he sort of would, would you know not just because he plays basketball, but would you slide him into the Jimmy Graham category where Jimmy Graham, he was awesome for the Saints and he was phenomenal, but his rookie year he didn't really get going until December. And then he broke his foot and he was out. And I firmly believe that Jimmy Graham missing the playoff game in Seattle is why they lost because they sucked inside the five. But that's a different story, right? But but he's more—he's not going to be like a plug and play guy. Probably he's going to be like a guy. He'll he'll be okay, but he's going to be probably be... probably not. He'll he'll be much more of a Josh Hill than a Jimmy Graham, and I don't mean that in a bad way. With that's just kind of the expectation to have with him. He he's not six seven. He's not running like a deer out there, but he he can. He's just solid all around. He's not going he's not going to let you down. If you, if if you need. Seven eight yards, he'll get you the seven or eight yards, no problem. Um, Can he be a forty catch guy as far as, as a Jimmy Graham like talents? Uh, 
Potentially. I mean, he's a smart guy. He picked up the offense really well. He he had a really great chemistry with Baker Mayfield. Like that stood out pretty quickly that these two guys were clicking together and he knew where to be to get the ball. Um, so, so yeah, uh, 40 catches. I think that's a reasonable expectation out of, out of a guy like Smythe, a guy like Jaziki. This, this tight end class has seven or eight guys who are starting quality tight ends. So from, you're saying seven, right eight, seven, seven and, or eight tight ends are going to go like first four rounds? Yeah. I mean, oh, wow. most of them are probably going to go second, third round. That That's just where tight ends tend to go. But, I mean, that everybody I was talking to was just blown away by the guys who were here in Mobile and the guys who were underclassmen who were tra- training to run, run the 40-yard dash right now. They're, I mean, it's just like, it's, it's kind of like, the wide receiver class a couple of years ago where you had Brandon Cook, Sammy Watkins, Odell Beckham Jr., all these guys who are all obviously starting quality upper-level yeah. talents. I mean, we're seeing the same thing this year at tight end. I, I think the Saints are a great spot to cash in on that and kind of take their pick of the litter there at 27. Now, whether yeah. that ends up happening, who knows? I mean, maybe... God willing, Roquan Smith is available. Oh, my God. <laughs> but if, that just if, seems like it. That's if, it, that's it. if Roquan Smith gets to 15 saints twitter is going to be offering gallier hall the smoothie king center um boogie's one one healthy achilles tendon to get rokon smith to move up like it's going to be it's going to be a zoo i tell and i'll be for it um here's an interesting thing that i think you know, people don't. It's one of those things you don't realize, but but as you get into the off season, and, and me and me and Andrew, we start talking about off season topics and stuff for for podcasts because you get to the dead time. You know, the more I think of it, John, offensive line is going to be a sneaky need for the Saints because you figure, look, Zach Streif, love him, he's a Saints Hall of Famer, but he's probably retiring, right? Calamete, I think the way offensive line play in the NFL is so bad. I think there's potentially either a team that's going to say, come start for us at guard, or potentially a team that's going to say, you're our right tackle. And if they say he's the right tackle, he's getting $7, 8000000 million a year for four years. So it's not inconceivable that he gets four years, $30 million, $14 million guaranteed. And the Saints are like, sorry, buddy, we love you take the money so then the saints are down two offensive linemen you gotta have depth because the offensive line was des was decimated with injuries this year but it held together because pete can play tackle or guard calamity can play anywhere you need them and it gave them this great depth and flexibility so if both of those guys goes guys go out the door suddenly offensive line becomes a need what did you see at offensive line any anyone that really jumps out at you and did, do you think that's a possibility at 27? Yeah, I think it's a real possibility. Uh, the, the best option was not in Mobile. That's Billy Price. He's a surprise. He's a Ohio State Buckeye. He's a captain. Uh, oh my <laughs> he God, played he's... center and guard for in, in Columbus. Uh, he's, he's like Calamete on steroids, basically. Uh, he, he set the school record in uh, consecutive starts. Uh, right now, he's he's practicing with Charles Bentley. Out, I believe his facility is in Arizona, um, and that that place is just an O-line factory. Can he play and tackle? So he, you Can know, he he's going to be technically sound. You know, he's committed. Could he play? Uh, he has not played tackle. He, he's he hasn't done it, but I'm not going to say he won't be able to. Um, just because you just don't know. We don't know. We don't know 
I mean, how his kick slide is or whatever. But as far as guys in Mobile, the name to watch is Alex Kappa. He, he's a he's a just a monster out of uh, Humboldt State. He had a rough day today at left tackle. Um, just some of some of the matchups there weren't really in his favor. But dude is as technically sound as they come. I mean, as far as keep, keeping his feet clean, um, t- timing his punches and everything. He, he was somebody who was getting hyped up at media day before practice starts, so I, I knew to keep an eye out for him. We get out there, and he's just leveling guys and winning his matchups one-on-one and just just had a really great week. Will Hernandez is another name. He's a guard from UTEP. Um, he, he, he's, he's nasty. I mean, <laughs> he's nasty as hell. He was I, – I, I think he lost maybe two reps all week in wow. one-on-ones and was just bulldozing people and – I mean, he, he was just just a bulldozer out there. Um, so O-line, I agree. That's a sneaky need. And, can, I mean, just to – let, let's elaborate on, on your nightmare scenario a little bit more. Save Zach Street for tires. Say that Kelamete leaves in free agency. Well, now you're down with Teron Armstead, who's coming off another injured year. And the plan to replace him if he goes down is Andrews Pete coming off of a broken leg late in the season. Yeah. So at that point – you're you are just at, I mean you're, the cupboard is pretty bare. You're playing the Rebe, you're <laughs> playing the Rebeus so or, or 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 Cameron. You know that and that's the thing, right? You gotta you gotta have bodies, and and that's the thing that made the Saints this year. I think their their roster was so much better than we thought it was going to be, is because when the injuries hit at offensive line, it, it was bad, but that was one of their deepest spots, and they never had to turn to a UDFA guy, right? That was like a rookie or a second year guy where you're like, oh, Jesus, this is going to be bad. This is a turnstile. Like they never had to do that. Right. So that was the key. And here's the thing about yeah. that. Go ahead. Yeah. Well, the guy I look at in that, that situation you just described is Cameron Tom. He, he was an undrafted free agent out of Southern Miss. He came in underweight. In previous years, he, he would have been starting by week 11 or 12 and probably been a turnstile, like you're saying. Instead, he's able to get promoted from the practice squad to the active roster. Uh, he's able to keep down in his protein shakes, get yeah. his weight up, and and get ready for next and year. And by the way, this so, he, so he's some. They, they were in such a good. Yeah, go ahead. No, I was going to say, and he's he's one of those guys, sort of like Calmetti, where they want to have him keep keep him around and keep him in the system. He's a guy that that other teams wanted, and the Saints before they elevated him to the roster, you can do the the thing where you say, look, he's not on the roster, but we're going to pay him like he's on the roster, and that's a case of you know the Saints. Yeah, did. He, he was the. High- yeah, at one point he was the highest paid practice squad player in the NFL. Yeah. Um, to to kind of keep other teams from coming sniffing around, but that didn't work. They had to promote him to the active roster, yeah. but it, it worked out in the end. Yeah, and that, but that's a case of you know you could tell you know as he was the highest paid practice squad player, the Saints obviously went to him and said, "Look, we know you can go wherever you want, but there's a plan for you here." And I think he's a guy to keep keep an eye on, and that's the guy with depth. The one thing that's interesting to me about offensive line is. You know, I used to, when I worked a thousand years ago at WWL with, with Buddy D and Mike Dettilia, I used to try to pick their brain, and I would talk to Mike Dettilia, and I would say, Mike, what's the, the, the hardest position to scout? And he would say quarterback, and I'd say, what's the easiest? And he would say, it's offensive line, because they do something on every play. And then I talked to Mike Dettilia last year, and he's like, offensive line is so hard to grade now, because all these college teams, they run the spread, and these linemen don't have to do anything, and and it's really a projection. So is that the case, too, kind of at the Senior Bowl, where, like, these guys, you think they might be one thing, but then you get them in the pro-style offense, and it's like, oh, not what we thought. 
yeah, it can be like that. And, and some something we saw that with specifically was was the Oregon tackle. I think his name was Tyler Crosby. I want to say that was his name. But he, he's coming from Oregon where they're running 70, 80 plays a game where he's rarely actually touching anybody. And so whenever he did touch, did get his hands on somebody. He looked, he looked okay on tape. Then you get him in Mobile, and it's like a whole new world for him because mm-hmm. he's going up up against these 270, 280-pound monsters he's never seen since high school. So <laughs> that is something we see, and I think that's why the Saints are focusing so much on O-line from really run-heavy college uh, teams yep. like, like Wisconsin, Stanford. They're, 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 they want guys who they know – can get to their spot, get their hands on a guy, and move him. And they'll they'll let Dan Rasher and his assistants focus on pass pro sets and refining technique and conditioning and getting these guys up to speed at, as a pass protector. Yeah, and so now we go and we look at, at defense. And, you know, my thought is I feel like the Saints, they need a guy at line. They need a they need a dude at linebacker. You know, their linebackers this year were okay. Man, that, that's what I've been saying. <laughs> you know, they need a they need, that, that, a, they need a Vilma. A big point of contention, yeah. They need a Vilma. Like, Vilma, when, when, before his knee gave out in 2011, from, from, from 2008, 9, and 10, that dude was good. You know, and he made plays, and, and you could see him, and he popped out on the screen on defense. Saints don't really have a linebacker. Although, Manti Teo, give it to him. He had some really good games in December. I don't know if he could do it the whole year, but they need a dude. But what's going to be there at what's going to be there at twenty seven? And what did you, but but what did you see at the Senior Bowl? A guy you're like, oh yeah, he'd look good in the Saints uniform. Man, you know they, they, I wouldn't say any of the linebackers really stood out in a tremendous way at the Senior Bowl. The the top seniors uh, didn't attend. That's guys mm-hmm. like Rashawn Evans from Alabama. Um, they, they chose not to go, so you, you ended up with a lot of kind of lower-level guys there. The best of the bunch, in my opinion, was uh, Shaquem Griffin from UCF. Uh, he dude just flies around. I mean, he's he's got extremely high energy. Is that the dude um, with one hand? Do a lot of play a lot of different roles. He is and <laughs> he's my new he's my hero because I only have all one week. hand. He's my new hero. He the is. Saints need to draft him. Oh, I will that, buy his jersey. Oh, man, I'm I'm all for it. I mean. Dude, dude's a playmaker. He, he, I compared it. I mean, stats are only worth so much. Um, but if you compare him to Ruben Foster's college career, it's just a total, two totally different players as far as turnovers, um, splash plays, things like that. And he turned on the tape and it looks that way too. Um, and that's what we saw in senior ball practice. I mean, he's got to be a uh, Gr- I, Griffin. He had some. No, he's, I saw him on the, the, plays in it. he is a freak running because the dude only has one hand so he must have some some other athletic skill to compensate for only having the one hand like and i think it's that he can just oh, he, run he and destroy in- people yeah he can just move i mean he he can he knows how to get around blocks he knows how to fight through blocks as far as keeping himself clean and shedding off of guys on the move he he's just Nice through there. You know, uh, Phil Savage said this at the – he's the director of the Senior Bowl and everything. In his opening press conference, he said that the the floor, the minimum expectation for Griffin at the next level is an eight-year player on special teams who's going to be – he's going to round out your linebacker core as a reserve and 
just be a fan favorite covering punts and kickoffs. And that's if that's the least you're getting out of a guy like this, and anything on top of that is like me out. Uh, you're in pretty good. I mean, that's worth him. that's, that's worth a, a fourth or a fifth round so he's, pick, right? If you if if you could draft a guy yeah, that's going to be your special absolutely. teams captain for a decade, you'd you'd pay, you'd spend a fourth round pick on that. The one thing I will say about his hand issue, yeah. and, and this may sound kind of morbid, but it's true. You know, when Pierre, Jason Pierre Paul blew off his hand with the fireworks, a lot of people, including me, were like, "That dude, he's done. You can't, you can't play defensive end with one good with one good hand. It's not going to happen. I don't care that everything else is lead. But he's got the weird glove, and he did, and he's still good. Like he's still a, a eight to twelve sack guy. So like, maybe it won't matter. Maybe he'll just. Yeah. Figure figure out a way to do it, you know. Um, and I just I want yeah. I I think want. Think of this too. Go ahead. Yeah, I agree. I want him, I want him in black and gold. But think of this too. How often do we see a, a linebacker break his hand or break some fingers and put a club on and hardly miss a beat? All the time. I mean, we see that almost every week in well, the you NFL. Might have, well, you All might the time. Did it in the it's not an issue. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. So yes. Yeah. Oh, here, here's another fun fact. How, how many how many interceptions do you think Griffin has in his college career? <laughs> no, knowing that he, that he plays with one hand, how many interceptions like, do you think he's bagged? Like four. How many? Close. It, it's it's a it, it'll take the under three. <laughs> my, my my man has gotten three interceptions in in his uh, call, in his college history, and. It's just not an issue Dude, for him Saints at all. Saints corners out didn't have three inter- I don't think Saints corners as a group had three interceptions between 14, 15, and 16. It's not a problem. Yeah, <laughs> yeah not, 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 a, not a bit. Now, you, <clears throat> we, we kind of glossed over wide receiver, so I do want to double back on okay. that real quick. But before we move in deeper on the defense, two guys who really stood out to me in, in the week. Uh, the first one was the best best player at the Senior Bowl, and that's James Washington, a receiver out of Oklahoma State. Uh, offense, defense, quarterbacks, whatever. He he was he was the, the guy, the lead dog. Mm-hmm. Whenever he took the field, that's that's where all your scouts, your PFF guy, is that, that everybody was looking at James Washington. Um, he, <clears throat> God, he won ten of twelve reps in one on ones against press coverage over the course of the week. Um, and the way he did that is just crazy. So he's he's a hair over 5'11", but he's got 34-inch arms. So he's got just a huge wingspan for a shorter guy, and he was not outmuscled by anybody all week. Um, he can separate downfield. Uh, he can win 50-50 balls. He's just, some, just an elite receiver, and I would love to see the Saints get him at 27. I mean, he, he, he could really be that complementary piece to – uh, Michael Thomas. Uh, I was sitting between. Let's see. That was Tuesday. So uh, Tuesday, I was sitting in the stands between uh, two two different coaching staff or uh, scouting staffs groups. Uh, one, I think, believe one of them was the Indianapolis Colts, and the other was the maybe Dallas Cowboys. It was NFC mm-hmm. East team. I know that. Anyway, so we're watching them, and these these guys around these scouts around me are just raving about Washington when he's going through one on ones and hand drills. There's, uh, one one quote that stuck with me was them, them describing him as having all the best qualities of Jarvis Landry as far as his physicality <laughs> and I mean running dudes over after the catch and I mean <clears throat> but on top of that he's a legit vertical threat he averaged something like sixteen seventeen yards per catch in college um, has just 
produced year after year in a really high-powered offense. Yeah. And he's somebody who would fit right away in New Orleans. Now, if they don't want to go receiver at 27, which is understandable, got to look out for is Michael Gallup out of Colorado State. Uh, number one, first off, Gallup is a great name for a wide receiver. Um, <laughs> sounds like a, it sounds like a name like a great. like a name from any given Sunday. Yeah, really. I mean, it's it's a scripted name. It's great. <laughs> now his deal is he wins in a lot of the same ways Michael Thomas does, as far as making the hard stuff look easy. Uh, he he just consistently called the ball away from his body. He didn't drop many passes. He and once he got the ball in his hands, he could just slip right past guys and pick up another four or five yards or more. And he's somebody I could see the Saints looking at there, you know, on the maybe early mm-hmm. on the third day of the draft, th- thinking, you know, this guy's kind of a sleeper. He can come in and help us out in a big way. Mm-hmm. And he's somebody to watch out for. Um, now, back to defense. The only guy I saw shut down, James Washington, now, now that I've hyped him up for you, <laughs> the only guy to take him down was Saran Neal out of Jacksonville State. He's already become kind of a, a Saints Twitter draft crush already um, as far as his skill set. So he's a slot corner, um, but he's kind of built in the, in the same way as Kenny Vaccaro as far oh, as okay. lining up all over the field in that you, you, look at his hi- you look at his highlight reel and that, I mean, take that for what it is. But his, his first six plays, he – he plays slot corner, slot corner, single high, box safety, box safety, slot corner. <laughs> he just makes plays all over the field, and that's reflected in his stat sheet. So I looked into that, his history. This past year, he, he played slot corner more than anything else. He had 12 pass deflections, one interception, one and a half tackles for loss. That's kind of what you expect out of a slot corner, right? Mm-hmm. Two years ago, two years ago, he mainly plays safety. He's playing in the box. This man had 15 tackles for loss and only three pass breakups. So that tells me he, he can play two different roles at a very high level. He can line up all over the field. And that's what we saw happen in Mobile where he's just this, this physical dude you know, and, who is always looking to hit somebody. And the interesting thing about Jacksonville State is not that they'll have a ton of tape, but they play big boy teams to get their, to get their paycheck to probably – finance their football team so it can run, right? I mean, they play Ole Miss, they play Auburn. You know, they're a homecoming opponent for SEC teams, right? So you'll have tape against him against elite competition. So that'll be interest. That'll be an interesting thing uh, with him going forward, I think. Um, you know, John? Yeah, absolutely. Um, the interesting thing with this, uh, with the Saints, and, you know, we talked about it at the beginning of the show about how you know they focused. You know they focused more on character, and that's and and in injury history is what was. Are there are there guys at the Senior Bowl that sort of either wowed or didn't, and have like injury is going to be their thing. Like it's either if they if they show that they're healthy, they'll skyrocket up. If they aren't and they're hurt, they're going to plummet. Yeah, the first guy that comes to mind for that is uh, Adam Brenneman, tight end out of UMass. Physically, he's what you look for. He's like 6'5", like 255. He's, he's just huge. I mean, got 10.5-inch hands. He, he, he's mm-hmm. the prototype mold for a tight end. His story in college so far has been getting hurt, transferring out of Penn State, going to UMass, excelling there. But he's kind of old. He missed a year of football, and he exits practice within an hour. Yeah. So he's somebody who, when you have him, 
it's great. But if you don't have him, I mean, you're, you're SOL. Hmm. So he's somebody to keep an eye out for. Um, other corners, I mean, uh, who's another corner? Darius Phillips out of Western Michigan. He, I mean, he's another slot corner who has just incredible ability to play the ball, the catch point, to make turnovers, make big returns. He's one I really like as a punt return, kick return specialist. He's, he's returned like seven uh, <clears throat> combined kickoffs, punts, and interceptions for touchdowns the last two years. Um, and he, he's had a clean bill of health through college, but he's another one who exits practice after the first day in Mobile because he rolled his ankle. So that could be serious. It could be not. I mean, it hasn't been a problem in college, but it was here in, in Mobile. Yeah. So that's something you kind of question. Um, as far as the longevity thing, and two, with Phillips, he's one of those corners who's kind of small on the smaller side. I believe he measured in at 5'11", 190 flat, mm-hmm. 192, something like that. So he's, he's a little slider. He, you wonder how how he's going to handle doing a lot of hitting over the next few years. Um, but I wouldn't say there's anybody like Anzalone who we know had issues year in, year out, or lingering issues with the shoulder. Um, <clears throat> most yeah, of the guys exactly. who have been hurt chose to stand out. Yeah. So. Yeah, I mean, and to me, you, you know, look, you never know how the draft is going to go because, listen, I consume probably as much, not maybe as much as you, but you know your draft stuff is awesome. Other people, I consumed a ton of it this past year because the Saints had two picks, and I can tell you, I didn't see a one where like people were like, you know, Marcus Lattimore, he's gonna be there at eleven. Like that didn't even that didn't even factor in to it, you know. So you never, you never. Oh, it didn't. You know, you never know how it's gonna the go. The day of the day of the draft. Yeah, the day of the draft, I took like two hours out of my time to put an article together where I just read like something like 35, 36 different mock drafts and collected <laughs> all the picks to say these are the guys most commonly connected to the Saints. Not a single one had either Marshawn Lattimore nor Ryan Ramchek to the Saints. Out of 36 different, art- different articles put out within, within 12 hours of the pick starting, nobody saw this coming for either one of the Saints selections. So... it's really wide open at this point. We could do all our projecting and reading all the rumors we want, but at the end of the day, nobody's going to be able to predict what, what's going to go down. Yeah. So the way I look at it is be as informed as you can and learn about prospects. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. That's the thing I love about the, 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 uh, the on the clock is you can do the mock drafts and I, I became addicted to it and I did it and I was trying to, I was trying to get Ram check at 32 for, one of the mock drafts I did for WWL, but I did it like four times and I couldn't, I wanted to, I couldn't get, I won't, I was going to have the saints trade up to get him as like a sort of like a clickbaity thing to get people to, to, to read that WWL comment. And I just couldn't, I couldn't like, I couldn't get it done. Like I couldn't, I couldn't do a re- realistic trade up to get, and he was there at 32. So, you know, what, what the hell you never know. Um, yeah, you know the one thing that was really interesting, I thought, and I thought the Saints were crazy to do it, but they were they were 100 percent right. They did not budge on the Malcolm Butler trade. They were like, "Look, we're not dealing you one of the high picks, New England, because we love the top 100 picks of this draft, right?" And I was like, "They're bonkers. There's nobody in the top 100 that's going to be as Malcolm Butler. Give New England what they want, so you can get Malcolm Butler." But the Saints were 100 percent right because look at the 2017 draft. So I know it's early, John, but as you look at the 2017 draft, the top 100 picks. Of it, do you think 2018 is going to be 
the top 100 in 2018 is better, worse, or about the same? I don't think the top 20, top 30 picks are, are going to be as good this year as they were last year. Just because we don't have these, you know, these elite talents like Miles Garrett, like Marshawn Lattimore. I mean, even even guys like, you know, you know, Deshaun Watson in mm-hmm. the in the top fifteen. I don't see guys like that in this year's draft. Now, look, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of Baker Mayfield. He's he's going to be a top ten pick. I don't you think know that you I think like he's going to be top ten. I liked Deshaun Watson last year. You think Baker Mayfield's going to oh, yeah, be top he's, 10? He's a lock at this, at this point. So that means he's out. Top for the, 10 pick. I, I, that I, means he's out for the Saints then. You, we need, the people that love him need well, to give, he, up, give, he, give up the dream. Because that's a lot. I don't know that because Sean Payton is also <laughs> heavily, yeah, heavily infatuated with Baker Mayfield. And I've, I've shot this conspiracy theory off a few times already. But what happens if the Oakland Raiders are on yeah. the clock, Baker Mayfield's available, and Sean Payton is a phone call away from – Making a trade with John Gruden to and go John get his Gruden, boy. John Gruden's I got mean, a ten-year, hundred million dollar deal, so he can have a little patience. Yeah. See, and you know that's more picks for Oakland to, to work with, and they've been one of the better drafting teams the last few years. Man, no, that so would, that it's just too wide draft, open. Though. It would, it would, you'd get nothing. Ima- imagine the headlines. I mean, <laughs> yeah, you get well. You, you, twenty eighteen, you'd get nothing because you'd be given. You'd probably have to give the Raiders your 28, 2019 number one, and you'd probably have to give them your third uh, for twenty eighteen. So, like your twenty eighteen draft would be Baker yeah, Mayfield, that, and he would be sitting. You know, kind of. Well, that's what happened. That's what happened this past year was Kansas City yep. traded up with Buffalo. They had 27-91 and their first rounder in the following year. That's what it cost them to move from 27 to 10. Yeah. And potentially that maybe that's what it cost the Saints is their first rounder and third rounder this year, next year's first. Well, who who you knows? Well, if you but don't like the – if you go don't, back – Go ahead. If you, if you go Keep talking about the top 100 of this year and what you think of it compared to last yeah, year. Yeah, so I really feel like this year – yeah, I really feel like this year's – the, the more I study this class and the more more research I do, I really feel like this year the strength of this year's draft is in picks thirty to a hundred or even thirty to ninety, where we have so many guys. I mean, especially the tight ends. There's so many options there that we didn't have in this past year's draft, where you had OJ Howard and you had Evan Ingram, and then it falls off a cliff at tight end after that. Where now, I mean, you've got so many possibilities you've got Gazicki and Goder we've already talked about even Durham Smyth could sneak in there but then you've got all these all these underclassmen you've got Mark Andrews from Oklahoma you've got Hayden Hurst from South Carolina who is going to kill the combine I mean he, he could be a legit four five forty I mean and he, he's a former baseball player so he, he he's so he's another guy I'm really high on he he, he tracks the belt the ball well he, he doesn't care that he's got a safety flying in at his at his neck mm-hmm. um he's gonna bring the, he's gonna make that catch um and there's so many options that tied in that m- there's a number of really good uh, guards and centers interior o-line who are going to be available in the second round of the draft i i'm just waiting for the saints to start flipping all their late round picks into second and third round picks well, that's I'm, the I'm, thing. That's the thing. I, that that's the next question I was going to ask you. If you feel like the if you if you feel like this draft isn't you know you you mentioned the top ninety. So if the draft if you if this if the Saints view it as 
2017, the top 100 isn't as good, you know, and this drift isn't as deep, those two fifths and two sixths don't do them any good. They may be like, you know what? We want at player X, and we want him at 95. Hey, Kansas City, we'll give you the two-fifths and the fourth because we want to go here to 75, you know. So if you don't if you don't like the depth of the draft, you're much more likely, in, in, in my view, to burn picks fourth round and lower to get into that top 100 because – the cliff that you just mentioned, it kind of falls off. If it, if it doesn't go, if, if a team views this draft as like it's only 95 deep, you don't want after that. So it doesn't do you any good. So that may be a case where we see the Saints sort of do the Vaughn Bell thing where they're trading up into the second round or they're doing the Onyemata thing. And, you know, and then they're doing they're doing more of it. And they have we it seems like they have a lot of picks going in. But when they finish up, they might only get like three dudes because it's three dudes in the top 90 and all, yeah, the, and, and all the, all the excess pick is just burned. Right. Off. And that's kind of, yeah. And that's kind of the shape that a roster is in is I don't see how they, how they fit eight rookies onto this team. No way. I mean, no way they're, they're going to be active in free agency, but, but is there room for eight fresh faces on this roster? I don't think so. Now is the room for four or five really high quality guys? Absolutely. I think this draft. On paper, it looks like last year's where we had all these picks in the top 100 and we added multiple pro bowlers and everything, all these new starters. But I really think it's going to end up looking more like the draft from the year before last where we got Michael Thomas, we got Sheldon Rankins, we got David Onyemata, we got Von Bell, where you're adding just really solid high upside, I mean, high, high floor players who you know can come in and I mean, contribute immediately. You're not really rolling the dice on these guys. And I don't have any insider trading info here. This is just me trying to read the tea leaves, so to speak, where that seems to be the move where the Saints are going to make their board. And the way they do it is is really interesting. So they have their in-house kind of top 100 guys who they know fit their program, fit what they want. And then, and then over the course of the pre-draft process, they will whittle that down to 70, 60, 50 names who they prioritize. And that's when you see them make their moves to go get Alvin Kamara or Von Bell or David Onyemata. They make these draft day decisions. And I really think that's the way this is going to end up going. Um, another point to make really quick, this draft doesn't, in the same way that this draft doesn't have your your blue chips. It doesn't have your Odell Beckham juniors. It doesn't have your Joey Bosa's there at the top. It has tons of guys who are a really strong candidate for things. Saints are looking for like a second wide receiver or Mm -hmm. a third defense end or a, or a pass rush specific defensive end. And all of those guys are going to go in the second and third and fourth rounds of the draft where the Saints currently don't have that many picks, but in great position to, go and get those guys if they find someone they like. No, that's... I think you're right on the money. I mean, they're going to make a lot of moves. Yeah, I mean, and this is the thing, and I... I, It's one of the things where I was... No, I picked them 9-7 and in 2017, so I wasn't right, but I was pretty bullish on the... the, I liked the roster better, and I was arguing with people. I was like, look, the days of the Saints having three, four, five, six UDFAs making it, it's over. 
And so you can be excited about the guys that weren't drafted and they sign the next day. Everybody gets pumped up. But those days are over, and that means your roster's really good. You don't want the Bobby Richardsons making your roster and starting six week, six games their rookie year because they're a UDFA. You know, you're, for, for every Pierre Thomas you find, there's a thousand others that are terrible. So that's the thing with this roster. Like, I think, like you said, they're going to, they're going to, I think their draft class this year is going to be small. And I think, you, rookie UDFAs to make the 2018 Saints, it is an uphill battle. I'd be stunned if more than two made it. And I think two is way high. You know, and that's just the, that's just the case of, you know what, when you have 2015, 16, and 17 and your drafts are from good, better, awesome, suddenly your roster, it goes from rickety to pretty uh, iron tough, you know. Yeah, and that's what they've been emphasizing the last few years is let's build a strong middle class on this roster. That's something Nick Underhill has done a great job highlighting yeah. is the Saints going out and pursuing these middle level guys who aren't going to aren't they're not going to hurt you. They're not going to make a lot of mistakes and they're not and they're going to keep you from having to rely on cheap undrafted free agents every year. And that's why they're in such a great position now to do like you said and go out and look for these top shelf talents. You don't have to say, well, we're gonna we're gonna find some quality undrafted free agents. We don't have to do that anymore. They're they're in I mean they're not in a bad roster position anymore. Yeah. Well John, uh before I let you now, go go ahead. No no you're good. No, I was gonna say before I let you go, I always find it amazing that guys like you are like, I'm going to the senior bowl. And I don't know anybody. I don't work for a team. I don't work for the newspaper. I'm just going. And I'm going because I want to go. I want to scout these players. I want to get into the NFL NFL job. I want to get a media job, whatever. I always find that amazing because I did it a long time ago and I was like, I can't, I can't, I can't do this anymore. I'm just going to get an SEO job because people think it's real and I'm going to make a nice living and I'm just going to write a, fu- <laughs> I'm just going to write a fun column about Saints jokes, but you're going to the senior bowl and like trying to make a go of it. And I think that's awesome. So just give us a quick like view of like the experience of it, like trying to go. Is it, it's like a giant scouting thing, a huge scouting thing for the NFL, but it's like this giant like job fair of like people like you going trying to like make connections and like coaches looking for jobs. Like, is it, is it like a, I imagine it being, is it kind of like a zoo? It's kind of like a circus. It's almost, <laughs> it's almost like a carnival atmosphere, but it's super awkward at times. Like, especially from a, from a media perspective, um, the, the events that we're allowed to go to, like the weigh-ins and team lunches for media day, it's it's so, it's so weird, man. So I don't know if anybody's described this to you before or not, but uh, weigh-ins are conducted in this big this big convention center hall, and it, it, you can hear a pin drop. So you've got several hundred team officials and scouts and media crowded in the back of the room, and then there's a stage and players go up there in their underwear and they get measured, and it's I mean, it, it's totally silent, and it's the most awkward thing imaginable, <laughs> and everyone's uncomfortable, and they just refuse to change the format year after year. And then after that, we go to team lunch, and you have these players all you know, sitting at tables eat, eating the same um, buffet food that we get, but the media is, is like crowded around them. They're like corralled in. And we're just watching these guys eat for 15 minutes before we're allowed to go chat with them. And it's just the most awkward 
pregnant silence imaginable. But once it gets going and you're allowed to talk to the players and you're allowed to interview coaches and see what they're doing and see the scouts walking around, it's just a really cool, surreal event. Like, I'm, I'm at practice, okay? And I'm walking around and there's Vance Joseph and his staff with, with the Broncos out on the field. And I look and there is the Falcons coaching staff they're watching the defensive line go go through their drills and you know i hate that i can spot thomas dimitroff at 60 yards but he the guy the guy stands out with the hair and everything and so i can see him and then i look in the stands behind him and there's jerry jones sitting in the stands you know just chomping down on an unlit cigar just what just taking in practice and there is uh, all these reporters that i follow on twitter com. there's Chris Burke with the Athletic, there's all these guys just kind of hanging out and socializing and taking in practice, and it's just a really unique atmosphere. Um, it's definitely something to take in, and, you know, practices are open to the public. You can go, you can go to a lot of people's and take it in, and it's something I would, I would recommend for sure. I mean, if, yeah. if you're ever able to make the trip, go, go for it for a day and just, just have fun. Yeah, it's the thing is with I remember like the Senior Bowl was a big thing, but it used to be. You know, I'm old. I'm you know over forty. It used to be like you'd have to consume like the Times Picayune articles and maybe listen to like Mike Detillier would go or or Buddy D would have people on, and that was it. Now you've got Twitter. You got nine million websites. Like people. I feel like people like that are like twenty five and under. Like you need to appreciate like all this draft info. Like that you get it is a you know back in the day it was like woohoo we got two articles in the times Union and you got mel kuyper's draft book and you got mike detilia's draft book and that was it you know now you can just gorge yourself on it yeah. it's, just, it's just it's just wonderful people are like i want the be- i want the good old days no man the good old days sucked in for sports man today it's like where it's like where it's at for sports if you're a sports fan but john i appreciate you giving me time i know you you were fight you you fought through it like a trooper and had a, had a cold uh at the senior bowl and it was great so i appreciate it on Time guy. So tell everybody if they don't already know, you can go to Canal Street Chronicles, read this man. But how do they find you on Twitter? Yeah, guys. Uh, if you if you enjoy the takes, you can find me at at uh, John underscore Sigler. That's J O H N underscore S I G L E R R R. Somebody took the uh, regular Sigler uh, use account name, but, <laughs> but thanks for thanks for having me on, Ralph. Uh, I'm free any any time as we get yeah. closer to the draft. I'm sure the Saints are going to do all kinds of dramatic stuff. So. Oh, well, you know, it, of course we'll, we'll do the draft and, it, you know, it seems like it's far away, but it'll be April before you know it and we'll be like consumed with mock drafts. So, John, thanks for thanks for being on and uh, we'll, have you on, we'll have you on again, I'm sure. I appreciate it, man. Y'all have a good one. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. (sighs) Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. 
I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. Yeah, I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.